I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 301. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. So how's it going reading the Christmas story in Luke and Matthew this week? I... Hope you have enjoyed observing and writing down some details you may have skimmed over before. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast or you just missed last week's episode, we are in the midst of four weeks of using Christmas songs to inspire us to read God's Word. I want to stay in the first couple of chapters in Luke and Matthew in our personal reading time each week this month. Repetition is a powerful bite. Bite, B-I-T-E, Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. I just call these exercises Bite for short, Uh, but repetition is such a good foundation for healthy interaction with God's Word. You can go from cursory reading to really diving deep. Now this week we're going to use the song, The Name of Emmanuel by Matt Redman to lead us to scripture. And while I want you to continue to repeatedly read the Christmas story, we're going to use one element to jump into a few other areas. Uh, But before we get to that, let's listen. Can you figure out where I might be going this week? I want to talk about Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, incarnation is a term used by theologians to indicate that Jesus, the Son of God, took on human flesh, thus the name God with us. And I think it's pretty easy for us just to breeze past this name and this idea of Jesus taking on human flesh. You know, you might say, well, why does all of this matter? Why is the humanity of Christ so important? Because what Jesus became in the manger centuries ago is what he shall forever be. He will always be God-man. And then to deny the incarnation is to deny the virgin birth that we've been studying over the last couple of weeks. The miracles of our Lord, his substitutionary atonement, his bodily resurrection. In effect, if you deny his incarnation, you deny all of that. And then to accept the incarnation is to believe in all. Okay, so let's start in the Gospel of John where we don't see Jesus first coming on the scene as a baby, 
but as creator. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, we learn a lot about the Word here, and not the least of which is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. So let's use the bite of making a list here just to help us slow down and really process what God's Word is telling us about Emmanuel, Jesus, the Word. Okay, so the Word was in the beginning. If Jesus were to say this in the first person, he might say, in the beginning, I am, right? So back to our list. The word was in the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. I know your brain's already starting to swell a little bit, but it's okay. The word was in the beginning with God. In case we didn't quite understand it, he kind of says it again. All things were made through the word. And you have to understand that in your Bibles, the word is capitalized because they're refer- it's referring to Jesus. It's another name for Jesus. Again, just in case we misunderstood, it says, all means all. There was not anything that was made that was not made through the word. Okay. Life was in the word. The life that was in the word is the light of men. The life that is in the word shines in the darkness and is not overcome by it. The word was the true light. The word gives light to everyone. The word, the one who was in the beginning, he was coming into the world. Then the world, the word was in the world. By the way, the world that was made through him, right? The word was not known by the world. He came to his own people. He was not received by his own people. He gave the right to be called children of God to those who did receive him and believe in his name. All of his names, right? The word, Messiah, Jesus, Emmanuel, and more. All of that. The word became flesh. The word dwelt among us. The word displayed his glory. The word was full of grace and truth. That's a lot in just a few verses from one chapter. You could stay here all week and just use the bite of meditation to really ponder and roll around in your mind every aspect of everything on this list. And if that's what you choose to do, you are in a really, really good place because there's a lot in that list. This is Emmanuel, God with us. It's amazing just to think about it, isn't it? Now, during Jesus's earthly ministry, no one questioned his humanity. The big question revolved, revolved around his deity. I mean, the religious re- leaders of the day, they, they remained, remained tied up in knots over the claims of Christ to be God. Some outright uh, claims to be God, some inferred. All of it just shook them to the core, so much that they ensured his death over it, to be honest. Now, isn't it interesting, though, that it wasn't long after Jesus's ascension that questions came from the opposite direction? The first generation Christians started with 
started with Jesus as God and tended to struggle with the idea of him being fully man. Now, isn't that interesting? So if you read uh, one of John's epistles, you'll read something like this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. That was in 1 John chapter 4. So he's specifically saying that um, the, the spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. All right. Uh, he's obviously answering a question that has been raised in that time. He reiterates it in his second epistle, which just reaffirms that this is a question that people were asking. He says in, in 2 John verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world that those, uh, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh... Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. All right, so there's an argument here that um, that they're trying to answer that Jesus came in the flesh. So our question today is, have we lost our wonder at the full humanity of Christ? It's common to fight for his deity, right? It's common to say, you know, no, he wasn't just a good man. No, he wasn't just a prophet. He was God. But in doing so, have we neglected to fully comprehend just how shockingly human Jesus became? So let's explore a little bit of what scripture teaches us about Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to reference an article from DesiringGod.org. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Now, this is using the bite of an outside resource. The difference is that I use the article just to keep my thoughts on track, but I still dove into scripture. So outside resources are not to replace our own study. They're to uh, assist us in that study. That's the goal, reading God's word for yourself, not just listening to all the great studying that someone else did, okay? And then speaking of the show notes, every week I take notes for you. I, I direct you toward the scriptures and the resources and the main points of that week's podcast. You can find all of the show notes for every episode at michellekneezat.com. This week it's found at michellekneezat.com forward slash 301. All right, so let's just let's start with Jesus's human body. If you have been reading in Matthew and Luke, as I suggested last week, you already see that he was born and that he grew. Luke 2, 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. She gave birth. He was born. And then if you continue to read in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and in 52, you see things like, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then later on in verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. All right, so he was born and he grew. He could get worn out just like the rest of us, okay? Uh, John chapter four, verses five through six, it says that he, he was traveling and he came to a town of Samaria near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well and it was about the sixth hour. So he could get worn out. He could get weary from a long journey. He got thirsty. Uh, I think the most profound example of this, of course, is on the cross when he says in John 19, 
After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. He got hungry, uh, as we can see, after his extended fasting prior to his temptation in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) There's so many like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. After 40 days of not eating, he was hungry, but it was to show us that he was human. Just because he's God doesn't mean he didn't get hungry or thirsty or weary. He could become physically weak in the same account after the devil had tempted him when he was physically hungry and weak we see that angels came and were ministering to him because he because of his weakness and then after being beaten before the crucifixion Jesus was too weak to carry his cross in Luke 23 it says as they led him away they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus so as a recap he Uh, was born. He grew. He could get worn out and weary. He got hungry and thirsty. He could get weak. He experienced suffering and pain. But these are all physical examples. What about matters of the heart? Well, in Matthew 8.10, when Jesus heard words of faith from a centurion, what does it say? It says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, truly, I tell you, uh, no one in Israel have I found such faith. With no one in Israel have I found such faith. So he marvels. In Matthew twenty six thirty eight in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, uh, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. I don't know if you remember that scene, but his soul was sorrowful. At the death of his friend, Lazarus, Jesus is described as being deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He even weeps in John chapter 11. The writer of Hebrews actually teaches us in John in Hebrews 5 verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Loud cries and tears. So we see that he not only took on human flesh, but human responses as well. Things like marveling and soul deep sorrow and being moved to tears and feelings of anguish. We've just covered a few examples, but you can see that he took on those things as well. And what about his will? Well, Jesus says in John six thirty eight, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then again in Matthew 26, 39, he he prays to the Father, not as I will, but as you will. Well, this is a little mind boggling, isn't it? I mean, if Jesus is divine, then the will of the Father and the will of the Son are one. And yet still he seems to yield his human will to that of the Father. Now, I know it can be a little confusing, but I think it reminds us how fully man Jesus was. There was a human will that needed to be yielded. So let's uh, actually wrap up by looking at into a larger chunk of scripture. Hebrews chapter two has a lot to say, uh, and I kind of want to unpack it a little bit. So if you flip over to Hebrews chapter two, after a discussion about angels, the writer of Hebrews says this. And, and, and so the angels part, you can kind of, we're going to dismiss the angels part because it's linked into this argument that he had in chapter one. But he says, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. And then he launches into this description of Jesus, okay? 
Um, it, it, so he goes on to say, it has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. So he's speaking of Jesus here. And then he says the obvious something is known as the now and the not yet. Right. He says everything's in subjection to Jesus, but not really. (laughs) And so it says it says at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Well, that's true. We don't we don't see everything in subjection to him. And yet everything has been placed under his subjection. All right. So that's kind of like the now and not yet. Yes, he has the authority over it. But no, it hasn't in in fullness been um, under his subjection. So then what do we see? But says, so what do we see? We see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That's, that's beautiful. And so you can see here um, his humanity, again, even in these scriptures. And I'm blow away, blown away by the next part. It says, for it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, we talked about that at the beginning of the podcast, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. It was fitting to become fully man and fully suffer to bring about our salvation and sanctification. That's huge. So we saw that he really was fully human, but it was fitting that he that he became all those things, all these uh, imperfections and weaknesses and thoughts and motives and all these different things about humanity. Um, it was fitting that he become fully man and, and fully suffer to bring about our, our salvation. And then it goes on to say this. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God have given has given me. See, he calls us brothers. And how could we be brothers if we did not share in our humanity? All right. So keep going. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. All right, so the the writer of Hebrews throws in the angel argument again, but don't let that derail us. What he's saying is he overcame death by dying, and the only way that God could die is to become human, and he did it all to help us. Right. And, and here's the grand finality. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. All right, so right here it says he was made like us in every respect. We've already talked about in so many different respects today of his humanity that he is like us. Every respect except sin. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second. And then the example is given here that because he suffered when he is tempted, he's able to help us. 
amazing. And I can't help but add this from a few chapters later in Hebrews chapter four. It says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He is a safe place to draw near, my friends. He gets it. He felt it. He suffered. He's lost friends and been betrayed. He's been directly tempted by Satan himself. And because of all of this, he can sympathize with us, which is so amazing. Sometimes we just need to be heard and understood and Emmanuel, God with us, he understands. But there's more. He's God. So not only does he understand, but now he's in a position to offer mercy and grace and help, not just empathy, but actual help. So what's next? Well, keep reading Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. Continue making observations and writing them down. Take a little time this week, though, to ponder the incarnation of Christ. Consider that this baby born in a manger is Emmanuel, God with us, and really take in both sides of the word, his divinity and his complete humanity. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter or Instagram at Michelle Nizat. My Facebook public page is Michelle L. Nizat. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Teresa from Texas, Laura from Iowa, and Tiffany from North Carolina. North Carolina. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And then subscribers also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get weekly memory verse resources to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out if you want to. You also get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This, of course, encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Adore You by River Valley Worship to continue to dive deeper into the Christmas story. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 301. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.